not really live, but recording. Uh, I appreciate you waiting for me to set up the cameras. <laughs> for those that don't know, I have a portable system. And yeah, the, the hardest thing about that is the lighting, as Ernest now knows. <laughs> but so, Ernest, thanks for uh, joining me for this little talk story podcast and whatnot. Um, I guess, man, you were my second guest that I had, you know, after Shulan. And so much has changed in that time period. Uh, quite astonishing, actually. Actually, since 2020, um, you know, maybe like eight months before COVID, you know, there's a... Because, uh, uh, you know, COVID was in 2021, yeah? But um, it just seems like... 2020. Was it 2020? Fuck. Yeah, remember, 2019 is when we started hearing about it. I think it was yeah, January 2020 right. when China built those 10 hospitals in 10 days. Or something <laughs> Everybody's like, like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, and wow. March 20th, we went into a lockdown. That's right. That's right. Because I was doing my master's degree at the yeah. time. Yeah. And we were supposed to have in-class classes, but then they were like, oh, no, all online. Yeah. Wow. 2020. It's already been over two years now since the lock first. Yeah. Okay. See, I always, I get confused now because... 2020 and 2021, they just, they, now they one. blur. Yeah. Cause like, yeah, especially like during like the, the Trump election year was just so savage. Everyone online, you know, talking shit and hating on each other. I just, I, I, I didn't really go online so much anymore. Cause I said, ah, this is too much. Like, I don't want to read people complaining about, you know, Trump and whatnot all the time. But so 2020, COVID hits, life changes for everybody. How did your life change? Well, um, it changed in many, many ways, especially with the Ohana, especially. So I'm very close with the three boys. Um, I didn't get to see them at that point. And it was decided that we wouldn't see each other because they're younger and I'm older. And we didn't want to take a chance, especially with um, any underlying... Um, circumstances um health problems that i do have yeah? yeah so which is basically with my diabetes and all that so that really made a big difference in not seeing them and then me not being able to see my mom that made a big difference so i've technically not seen my mom in person in two years in over two years now so i haven't been to a birthday is your family sad Thanksgiving. they're I'm, probably so happy they're like, oh, but Thank hopefully God. i'll be able to get to see them <laughs> I got that, you know, I got that. I'll be able to see them coming up soon and shortly. But within that time, a lot has changed. A lot has changed in the way I've done things. I work from home now. So I used to work at an office, but I work from home. Um, I like it and I hate it. <laughs> it's, it's a dual thing. I miss the people that we work with, you know, the camaraderie yeah. that you built in an office. It makes things happen faster, I think. That when you're working together in the office, you have more time to associate and put plans together that affect your um, company. Whereas if you're working at home, it's a different story because now you got to set up Zooming and everything yeah. else. So that could be a hassle. The parts I do enjoy about not going into the office is the traffic. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. And as you can see behind me, I can see these buildings and all that. I cannot only see the buildings. I can also see the freeway. And so as soon as the lockdown went down into effect, that freeway just went 
down to basically no vehicles. Yeah, I remember and that. You could see the difference in the <laughs> air quality. You could see everything. So everything had changed. Peaceful. Know? It was peaceful. The mindset of the people were peaceful. The only thing that did not change here in the Chinatown area, <laughs> which was not confusing, but to be expected was the house situation. The house yeah. situation stayed the same or even got worse. Yeah. Yeah. But it was where it is how they told people you needed to stay in. You couldn't associate <laughs> with people. You had to stay away from people. You had to use your mask, six feet and all this. Or you're going to catch this deadly disease called COVID-19. And it's sad that a lot of people had their pass away from it. But what was confusing to me, because as you know, I can see everything down there. <laughs> so it was the same house as people back then that were in 2014 that were there when COVID hit that are still out here today, <laughs> this Surviving. very day, yet they had not caught COVID and they survived it. And so I it's just- I'm convinced that if there was a nuclear bomb that went off in Hawaii, uh, the homeless people would all, all still survive. It's just interesting. They're, uh, I guess you could say they're resilient in a way, but I think the other aspect is that they didn't have contact with people who might have had contact with- COVID, yeah. Right, and that that might be the case. We just do not know. <laughs> but what we do know is they survived and they were great. I mean, don't get me wrong, during COVID, did I stay strictly locked down? No, I had to get out of nah. my house, had to eat. <laughs> I had to get food. And I know a lot of the houses out here and I associate with them because I try to help them because I've been an activist in Chinatown downtown and it wasn't about for me, it's not about shifting them to other communities or removing them from Chinatown and putting them to other communities. It's about how we, as a people, can help our houseless. Because the truth of the matter is, majority of our people are one paycheck from being houseless. So we have to come up with ideas and ways to defeat houselessness. And for that, we have to go to the root of the problem. Affordable housing. We have no affordable housing here in Hawaii. They say we have it, but when you look at it, it's not affordable. Yeah, there's it no... is not affordable. We have no affordable housing. People can never make it. And so we, as a state or even as a city and county, we need to look at what we're doing. And maybe what we need to do now is stop what we're doing and automatically reset everything we're doing. Yeah. Start from start fresh from the beginning. And let's bring some of the houseless people out here and advocates out on the streets into the talks because they know better what to do and how to help them. I just think, do. I think other cities are, are, so what Hawaii likes to do is, is mimic a lot of like, like California or New York with their policies and whatever. And we've done that with the homeless situation where it was kind of like, oh, hey, you can't tell them they can't camp on the street. You can't tell them they can't be here or they have every right to be here. In reality, they don't. Uh, the Constitution awards certain rights. Um, you know, you have your certain privileges as an American, but there's nothing that says you can camp, urinate, defecate, have sex in front of somebody's private business, private residence, or on public property, period. You know, I can't drink openly in a state park, but you can camp. They're both illegal, you know. Um, but now a lot of other cities have realized like, okay, like San Francisco, the mayor came out and she was like, this bullshit has to stop. That's what she said. 
so they're going to get tougher on the homeless. They're, they're doing, um, I think even LA, they started doing like sweeps. Like they're just getting rid of, you know, they're like they do here, like taking all their trash, all their belongings, throwing it away, telling them they got to move and taking a more, a, a harsher stance. A lot of them are mentally ill. So I feel bad for those guys. A lot of them are addicts, you know, unfortunately for them, um, you know, they're addicted to, to drugs and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I've never been addicted to drugs, so I don't know the struggle, but kind of goes off what I posted on Facebook the other day. Like we need long-term care facilities. We need to help because yeah, like there's people who are homeless because they can't afford rent and whatever. But when you look in Chinatown, downtown, Honolulu area into Waikiki, further down, even like moving in towards Hawaii Kai now, up in Waianae, a lot of they're not just a page. They're they're gone. Like they're mentally gone. They're so blown from drugs that you know none of these people in Chinatown are the type that like just need a, a helping hand getting a room. You know, a lot of them get a room and then they leave. <laughs> or, so, like I guess sorry. So so what I'm trying to say is like until we have more of a, a tough love approach, which people hate to hear until it's in their neighborhood. You have to have a tough love approach. You have to get these people off the streets. You have to get them into care. And then, you know, we can start transforming the society itself. You can still do that and focus on affordable housing, but it seems like every conversation for, for, from politicians is affordable housing. And they'll, they'll brush over the mental illness. And it's like, wait, these... Well, and, and here's the problem. So when I look at houselessness, right? and those that are on the streets homeless, and they are really homeless. The problem is we're lumping everything into one bag, and we cannot do that because homelessness is not one issue. It is many different issues, just like you have many different arteries, and blood vessels going to your one heart. It is many different issues, and so we must identify what these issues are. And you did hit it right on the spot. Tough love as a parent. When you're raising your children, your children, you should not identify your children as your friends. Yeah. You are the parent. They are the child. It is your responsibility to guide them and mold them so that they will be great citizens yeah. and outstanding citizens. It's your job. Once they become 18 and once they become adults and they start moving forward, then you can transition into a friendship mode with your child. You're still, you're still the parent, but you now you... You enjoy that friendship mode, but you, yeah. at a time, you have to do this. And this is exactly what we need to do. We need tough love. We should be compassionate in everything we do, but we have to be tough. A lot of these people that are on the streets, and I know them, majority of them, they will tell me they did get housing first. Yeah. They yeah. got housing first, but they messed it up because why? Because when they got into that housing, they didn't know what to do or how to manage their homes that they have people in their homes partying every single night doing drugs. Mm -hmm. The people that are, many of the people that are on the streets are mentally ill. They became this way because we as a society allowed it to happen because we did not realize what was going on or we did realize what was going on and we allowed it to keep on going instead of intervening. Yeah. And so at one point we have to intervene. We need mental health facilities. We need drug addiction facilities. Many of the people, you ask them, why are they doing drugs? <laughs> and they're going to tell you straight up. They do their drugs so they can stay up all night long. 
Because if they fall asleep, they're going to get killed, they're going to get mugged, and their things are going to get stolen from them. That yeah. is one excuse. And, and when you look at the way they're thinking about it, they're correct. I just, I just wonder at, like, at like what point government officials who seem to always fuck everything up, they sat down and they were like, hey, look, we should let these people just camp on the street. And someone's like, probably was like, hey, yeah, well, but they're urinating. And somebody was like, well, hey, we, we should, you know, we have to let them. We have to be compassionate. Because if we let them do that, it will hopefully encourage them to not want to live that lifestyle and, and get help. But it's like, no, that doesn't work. If, you, if you're pissing on the street or you're shitting in front of a restaurant, you should get arrested. You should be charged. You shouldn't be out in three hours because that's what pisses the cops right. off, right? Why are you going to arrest somebody and they're just out and the prosecutors won't even prosecute? Like yeah. a bunch of fucking idiots, man. Urinating on the streets, defecating on the streets, having sex in broad daylight in yeah. front of working class, working people who are trying to make a name. These are all crimes and should be prosecuted as a crime. Secondly, this is not health appropriate for any of us that live here. No, hell no. I mean, this is a health hazard to all of us. Well, and, and look you know? what happened. Look what happened. We let homelessness go for so long. In 2013, when I was working at the state capitol for a representative, I had said, oh, how come there's not, nothing really being proposed to help the homelessness? Because I had started noticing a lot more homeless people laying around than I've ever seen before. And the representative I worked for was very blunt. She said, hey, she's like, it is something that should be focused on, but it's not a high priority issue because it's not a it's not a pretty issue to talk about. So they want to talk about other things, you know, and uh, just never got any light. And then anytime there's a, a bill that's like, hey, look, these people should have to be taken to treatment. You know, if the police arrive, you know, everyone shoots it down. They say, oh, civil rights and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, at a certain point, we have to say, look. When does it stop? When, yeah. When do we really start focusing on this? Bottom line is we should have been focusing on this yesterday. Yeah. Homelessness is a big issue. And let's get this straight. For all of you out there that are listening to this, your politicians are telling you that majority of these people are coming from Hawaii. That, and there's a lot. Okay. But let me tell you straight. I work within the um, MedQuest, the Medicaid field. Uh, Medicaid field. I am an activist here in downtown Chinatown. And let me tell you what. I go out every night, and I've talked to many of these people, and they tell you straight up, no, they were given a one-way ticket here. Oh yeah. They were told where to go and how to make it work, and they love it. And so a lot of the people that are in the streets, and I've noticed that there's a lot of new people on the streets oh, in Chinatown yeah. that shouldn't even be here. Because yeah. I know who belongs and who doesn't belong in this neighborhood. You know your neighbors. You know your neighborhood. And a lot of people that are living in Chinatown right now do not even belong here. And when I talk to them, many of them coming from Chicago now, many from um, yeah. San Francisco, many are from New York. Dude, I feel, I feel bad for like, especially elderly people who like they've lived here forever and, and they didn't move here while the homeless situation was happening. They've lived here and it just kind of happened. Like when you go over to like by where I work on King Street, yeah. they're surround. There's like tents tied to the building, the condo building across, you know, across from my building. And it's just like ridiculous. So the cops will come, they'll break everything down and move across the street to my office building 
and tie it to our fence that we have, and then vice versa, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And this, but the, the, all the money we're spending, all the time and effort, okay. but no, there's nothing happening. Right. So like, I, I think we need to get one thing correct. It is not the responsibility of HPD to have to monitor and deal with the houses. We should have behavioral therapists out there doing the work. HPD is not about taking care of the homeless, moving them from one area to the other area. Yeah. Second of all, we need to understand putting these tents the way you said. And for those of you who have not um, checked out James James's um, Facebook, you need to check it because he has his pictures. And the pictures will show the house's tents built. And they're right there on the sidewalk. Yeah. And what's right next to that sidewalk is the roadway. And what travels on that roadway right next to their tents is the buses. God forbid one of those buses got into a crash and hit into one of those encampments. Oh, then the families of those homeless? They're going to be suing and the city is going to be in trouble. So this is now another issue Mm -hmm. that where we can get sued. I mean, it has to be taken care of now. I just, it's weird because I wonder at what point in our history, like we just decided, I don't know, because when I was growing up, there was homeless, but there was not this many. So at what point did people just decide, fuck it, I don't, either I don't care about my family member anymore, I'm tired of taking care of them, or the homeless person was, you know, addicted to drugs or whatever, like, and it's all, it's almost like when you see the rise of the opioid epidemic with big pharma, and then you see the rise of all the addicts and the homelessness, like there has to be a connection. Correlation isn't always causation, but it's always like, I don't know, man. We have a, a huge drug problem, and all of these people in Chinatown are drug addicts. Right. So, and most of them probably didn't start off on heroin. They probably started on you know some sort of painkiller, oxycodone, oxycotton, and kind of got addicted to it. And I know people who've done that. They were they had surgery. They were given the oxycotton. And then they they became addicted. I, I, Tom, and it's, it's easy. I just um, I broke my leg about three months Bitch ago, almost leg. four months ago, and um, I was prescribed. Because you were skipping. I, I was prescribed skipping oxy- around Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was prescribed the oxycodone. Um, after a couple of weeks of it, I said, "No, I cannot take this." So I would live with the pain instead of taking it. It just made me dopey. It made me look like I was schizophrenic all over the place. I just, I didn't feel right. And so I'm going to let this heal naturally. I told the doctors, no, can I take this oxycodone? And I can see how someone would get mm. addicted to the pain pills oxycodone, which will lead them to get go on the streets to get the other drugs. The other drugs on the streets are just as, basically the same thing as oxycodone is, yeah. except oxycodone is illegal. And the drugs on the streets are not <laughs> yeah. legal. Well, it's interesting. I don't know. Like for me, I think maybe like the ADHD makes me not be addicted because I've, I've had the pills. Like I've had oxycodone because I had my wisdom teeth pulled. And yeah, it felt nice and it was great. But after four days, I was like, okay, I got, I got to do some, I got to do something else. Like I'm, I'm I got to go, I got to do. And when you're, you're on those muscle relaxers and painkillers, like you're just kind of like, sinking into the couch right i said oh no i can't i gotta go do stuff so hey maybe 
Maybe ADHD <laughs> helps prevent addiction. Make it, maybe it was a blessing <laughs> to you. Can't, but, I can't even focus on being addicted. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, but on a serious, <laughs> on a serious point, we in the sitting county of Honolulu in the state of Hawaii, we need to create a rehab system that will address mental illness and addiction. It must. Um, <clears throat> once again, I'm going to use the U.S. vets as an example. When they pull um, their members, veterans, off of the streets, they offer them a place to stay. They put them four people to a room, and they put them in quads. And these quads has washing area, um, a washing area for them to wash their clothes, a main room for them to sit down, relax, and watch TV, relax with friends, microwave. They feed them three times a day and give them snacks a day. Um, they help them get transported from U.S. vets to Tripler, they put them through programs. They mm. put them to two-year programs. Towards the ending of these programs, what they do is, once, once this uh, person is getting better, they help them find a job. Mm-hmm. Once they have a job, they take 30% of what the person makes from the job as rent, which um, at one point, I know they were putting it away and giving it back to the person. Yeah, Yeah, and that's what they used to do. But they may not be doing it that way. They may be keeping it, which is fair, because they, everyone should be paying their rent. But during this whole process, they're also out there helping them find a place to transition to move into. Yeah. And they do that because there's a lot of people that live in this building, particularly that I live in, veterans who have gone through the program. Once they're in this, in their own home, living in a community, living and working, now they have a um, counselor who comes to see them once a month to make sure, a case manager, to make sure that everything's okay. What do you need? Are you okay? Are you slipping? Do you need more help in the program? And they follow them through for five years. It's a process. Yeah. You cannot take a person off the street and throw them into a home and say, yeah. and that, listen, this is going to work. It doesn't that's work that, that way. That's that shit that killed me about that uh, the guy who used to come to our neighborhood board when I was on the board. And... Uh, would always throw out these numbers of how many people that they got housing for and blah, 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 blah. And, but he would skirt over the fact that, yeah, they had the housing for three nights and then they, they left. They wandered back on the street. Yes. Like it, it just, they, cause most people, they just hear numbers and they're like, Oh yeah, they're doing a great job, but they're not asking the underlying questions and peeling back the layers. Like, okay, you house 90 people. How many, how many are still there? What is your success for rate? Because you're right. So um, there's, like I said, um, there's this young, young lady that apparently um, came and tried to get a hold of me the other days and security says, no, he's working. He's working. Cause I, like I said, I work from home. When I work from home, nobody bothers me. And then, no. She's sleeping and all day. That's so, why. Yeah, no, I'm not sleeping. I'm working. So, and the thing is, um, we helped her to get a place. She only stayed there for so long mm-hmm. and her and her boyfriend, they destroyed it. Um, the place got destroyed. Um, drugs was involved, yeah. of course. Yeah. And because they didn't know how to help themselves and cope. Yes, listen, let me tell you what. Everyone should have a place. And we should help people to get into a place. But this is what good shelters are for. And I'm saying good shelters, yeah. okay? Because yeah. I don't want to um, understand people have problems with certain shelters, which I will not say by name, but they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand why they do. But we need places where people can feel safe. They should not feel like they're going to get robbed or they can get beaten up. Yeah? Yeah. But we need to have places to help people because once you're in a place you do feel better about yourself oh yeah but 
now the next question becomes, how do you help yourself? And if someone's been living a certain way for so long, they don't have the tools or mechanics to help themselves yeah. to move forward. So therefore, you cannot throw somebody into housing first because now you're causing more of a worse situation because now they're going to get kicked out. They're going to lose their place. They're not going to want to try it again. Yeah. But the biggest point is that landlord of that building is going to say, you know, two houses first. No, we tried and we tried to help. Yeah. They destroyed our place. Our neighbors are complaining. No, we don't want to deal with your city contracts no more. Well, see, and that's kind of the problem. Um, you know, America was always successful because people were raised, as you were saying earlier, about raising your kids um, to be respectful and whatnot. They were raised to 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 want to work hard or at least knowing they had to work hard to get things. And when you acquire things through working for it, you appreciate it. Yes. You could give anybody anything and they it's, it's like if you spoil your kids. Yeah, you're just giving them everything. They just take full advantage. They don't care because they, they didn't really have to earn it. Right. They don't There's understand no, the value of the. Yeah. And when you take someone like uh, one guy who I keep meaning to have on the podcast, he was homeless eight years, and now he has a place down the street, I think at the Winston Holly. Winston Holly. Um, and his, he was excited. He said, oh, it's the first time in eight years because he's been on a list forever. And he's like, yeah. He moves in, and he, he messages me. He's like, I can't stand this. I said, why? He's like, I'm used to the quiet of the forest because he lives in the forest. In a, in a nice tent set up like he looks like a survivalist really like uh solar chargers and stuff yeah fascinating but he said i said well i said well why i said it's it's i says i know it's kind of busy because of the traffic and whatever he said he said the refrigerator is loud i said well what do you mean he said it, he said it just like buzzes all night and he said i can't sleep because it just drives me nuts so i'm gonna go back to the forest and so he does he goes to the apartment that he has um, just to hang out or, or watch on his, he has like a projector, projects on the wall, TV. But then he'll leave and he'll go sleep back in his place in the forest, which I, I won't say where because I don't want them. No, 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 no yeah, but, it's not important. But it's, uh, it's interesting because, yeah, you get accustomed to that. And then, yeah, when they just throw you into housing and you're, you're just not used to it, or even if you have mental illness or you're addicted to drugs and your neighbor is a, an older lady, a senior citizen, and her grandkids are over and you're smoking crack in the hallway, like this does nothing for anybody. No, no, no. For anybody. And uh, that's what kills me is politicians and government workers are just worried about numbers and how they can sell you those numbers as a good thing. But in reality, if they would just do a good thing, you don't have to tell me the numbers, bro, because I can you see it. it. You can see it. I can see it. And that's one of the biggest issues, which I guess we, we could talk about it as to why you and I, we run for office repeatedly, because people always say, hey, if you're going to criticize, why don't you try to change it? You know, what are you doing to change it? Blah, 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 blah. And there's not too many people who, who could say, oh, yeah, I, I am trying to change it. I'm running for office. You should support me. Right. Um, but, but then when you do tell that to people, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll keep my eye out of it. But th there's no real like like support in a sense. You know what I'm saying? It's like you want to do, you want to help and you want to change things for what you perceive is, is, is the better or a better route than what we're doing now. But the same people who will complain alongside with you won't be there with you to help you while you're trying to make yeah. the change. Right. It's just, nah, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of it is lip service. I'm like, Oh yeah, I got you. Don't worry. I got you. I'll be there. And in the end, there is no one there that's going to be there. 
but you yourself. And yeah. The bottom line is, um, I think, and this is what I, I'm seeing figuratively, people are afraid of change. They're afraid yeah. of real change. They're afraid if, and <laughs> this is funny, but they're afraid if real change happens and all these things are wiped out, then what do they have to complain about? You know, it, it especially People kills me because like even in those cities like like uh, New York City, San Francisco, L.A., where there's like large homeless populations, Vegas, even uh, like I just feel like people should want better than what they're getting and should demand more from those who are working for them, which are the elected officials. They work for the people. Uh, somewhere along the line, we just decided that politicians are above everybody. They're the celebrities. Right. They're the ruling class. We have to appreciate everything they do. Oh, Joe Biden's allowed to fucking sound like an idiot, uh, but we have to worship that because he's, you know, a Democrat. Or, or Trump is a, a is a fucking moron, but we have to appreciate that because he's a Republican. Like, no, 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 no. I don't. I I want somebody who's going to do the job. And and represent me, the people, in a respectful manner. Yeah. Well, but uh, I do know politicians out there that do serve and do work hard. And you and I both know mm. some of these, and they're good people, and they are trying. But unfortunately, they're the minority. Yep. So therefore, they need more people like you and I, and people that are on our same mindset to be in office to make that corrective change. And a corrective change has to happen because right now the situation is the politician. Doesn't serve the people. Yeah, it's the people that serve the politicians. Mm -hmm. They're serving their egos. Yeah, and this is a problem. I want somebody in there in office like me, who I know what needs to be done, and I'm going to work on to find a solution. And I will work with others to find those solutions because I know it's not one person with a solution. It's going to take a team to oh, come yeah. together to find the solutions that's going to work for everybody. But unfortunately, our politicians today want to be the celebrities. They just yeah. want to go out there and do your handshake, take the pictures, and that's it. You go to the event. You go to the event. Shake and, hands, you know, oh, I, babies. I said, and that's it. But they're not out there doing the real hard work yeah. of doing the solutions. And when you look at any solutions that is being done, it's not the politicians that are doing it. Yeah, it's the grassroots. It's the grassroots people. Well, it's even like, you know, for me, COVID really shined a light on, you know, specifically in Hawaii, how horrible our leadership is here <coughs> and their lack of planning insight uh, or even a long-term vision and that goes for a large portion of of the elected officials at every level because you know some of the decisions that were being made by the governor and he just has these dictatorial powers and he could just do whatever he wants like no one was calling him out for it for me i'm like no 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 if I'm paying your taxes and you're representing me, or if I'm paying taxes, you're representing me, and those taxes are paying for your paycheck, I expect you to stand up for, for you know, your constituency. And for hardly any, I can't even think of one uh, elected official at the state level that spoke up and said, hey, Ige, you know, Governor Ige, you, you can't you know, you can't do this anymore. You know, we need to stop. You know, our small businesses are suffering, but all the other big box chains are okay. Um, and the rules and regulations that you're putting out just are... It it. Like, why do you have to suspend the sunshine law? 
which means sharing documents with the public. Like, whoa, whoa why? Why? That's, yeah. I have every right to know what you're doing and why the decisions you're making are being made. Uh, but that, you know, that, that just, it really ate me up inside to see the lack of fortitude from a lot of our elected officials. And then they had the opportunity to have a special session to get rid of the governor's emergency proclamation. And they just like, nah. and it's like, well, what? But yet they're going to go walk around on their campaign and they're going to say, oh, I, I support small business. I, I'm standing up for the working class. You know, I, I want to help the, the elderly. I want to help the children. Yeah, but, when, but when they go there in that building, yeah. they're not standing up and speaking. They're not, you know, they might vote with reservations or something on bills, right. knowing that it's going to die in the committee because that's the deal that was made. It just for me, I'm just like, look, I can't rely on you to do it. I want to do it myself. Yeah. I want to do it myself. There's too many backdoor deals going on in Hawaii. And, and I literally can see the Capitol. From my place so every morning i look down upon the capital and i pray a core that a core will help guide them to do the right thing <laughs> but unfortunately it's not being done right because everyone there is serving no one but themselves yeah if the money is not going into their pocket well here's not serving them um oh, come on let's get real what really like pisses me off that i think should piss everyone off is while you and i were not allowed to go to the capital to show support or opposition to like legislation, lobbyists were there every day, but, and it's like, wait, but who has the money? Let's take you, it. Let's sit back and look. Who yeah. has the money? And it, and it kills me too because even like, um, as a Democrat, I feel like we should all be supporting what we have complained about for decades, which is Citizens United and shifting to like a publicly funded campaign to get the money out of politics. Right. But here we are, we're a blue state, and we still have money in politics yeah. unnecessarily. It doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah. Um, we should go all the way back. Who was the last um, publicly, who was the last president to be publicly funded? Oh, I think that was Jimmy um, Carter. Jimmy Carter, that was the last of it. Because Jimmy Carter could have never beaten Ford mm. if he didn't have the money. Because mm -hmm. he didn't have the money and Ford had the money. But it was Jimmy Carter. We need to bring that back. Everyone should have equal spending, equal airtime, and all that. Let's start putting some real people in office, people that really have a passion for these islands, who want to make a change that's going to help people. Yeah, It's going to be a tough road, but we can do this together as a team. But well, it's funny but because people who like oppose uh, publicly funding campaigns, so, oh, I don't want my tax money going to that. It's like, okay, well, your tax money is going to special contracts to special donors of cam of winning campaigns. So, like, would you rather have your tax money go to everyone getting a fair shot or your tax money go into these corrupt companies and, and politicians' pockets? Because that's exactly where it's going. And that's exactly why, you know, you see all the feds coming in and investigating, like, every department in Hawaii because it's so corrupt <laughs> yeah and the feds are here and they're here to stay um it's, yeah they it's might, a domino effect i don't think the feds will be leaving anytime they should soon. build their own housing I mean, complex they're going to be mean, here for a while they're, they're going to be here for a while i mean and you, you see it's happening um we need to clean it out let's get straight that's if you're going to be elected to office then you know what 
do the job, work for the people. And remember that you took an oath to serve the people, not for the people to serve you. Make what you make. Well, take I mean, home what you make. Look, and look, give some give some back. Look at these guys. Look at the guys, the the two elected officials that were brought up on bribery charges. You know, like you were taking ten thousand dollars in poker chips, bro. You you could spend possibly twenty years or more in prison. Like, is that really worth it to you? You sold out your your state. You sold out your family. You sold out your friends because while you were killing things, the greedy companies wanted passed so you or i mean wanted killed that would have benefited the people you know you just go ahead and you just you just kill it and then, and then you go back to your people and you're like oh you know i i fought for that and just you know wasn't gonna pass and it just like that's just so grimy to me so shady like bro like you sold out your people your friends your family your mom your dad your sister your auntie for like poker chips for a, for a, for a plane ticket to Vegas. <laughs> like you, I, you would I, have, I just don't, I just, um, things <laughs> understanding life throughout life from the day you're born to the day that you pass on to your next life, things change. Nothing stays the same, but in Hawaii, which was one of the most loving, most compassionate places I've ever been in my whole mm-hmm. existence. And it still is very much. We have lost. We have lost a lot of that aloha. You don't see aloha anymore. We've lost a lot of it. And do you know why? Because these politicians sold out Hawaii. They sold out what was the actual genuine aloha spirit, as people would hear the loving, caring, compassionate side of the people. They sold it out for the commercialization of Hawaii and, and the Hawaiian culture. And they sold it out for, you know, $10,000 in poker chips. Like Right. right. And so, so they went and they commercialized Hawaii. And now we, the people of Hawaii, from the Kanaka Maui, all the way down to all local people, Native Hawaiians, we're losing our lands. We're losing our aina. And we've been forced to move out. So I believe, and I don't know if it's true or not, I believe that the politicians back then worked with the networks to say that's called vegas the ninth island for me it's offensive vegas is not yeah, a I ninth island why it's not like a that. ninth island more people from hawaii live in california they live in than they live in vegas let's get real about that and a lot of people that do live in vegas they only move there because they have other families there and yeah. they think they can survive so we're pushing our local people out of hawaii and as we continue to keep on pushing our local native local people out of Hawaii, and that doesn't matter what culture you are, whether you be um, native or just someone who was born locally here all your life and have family here, they're pushing us out. Why? So that they can bring in new people to Hawaii. Yeah. They're changing the demographics of our islands. And if we don't start listening and looking at this, Hawaii will never be Hawaii again. I mean, is it too late to save it? No. I don't think it's too late, but like I was saying earlier, the people have to choose who they elect and hold them accountable and pay attention, which doesn't happen is not going to happen. So you're not going to get quality elected officials in office who are going to fight and try to do the right thing. Like, 
you know, because we have a very individualistic mindset in America. We're not a collective culture. Like for, for a lot of people in America, it's a, hey, you know, um, Lonza doesn't impact my property. I don't want to hear about it, but it's like, no, it's a community thing. We should all kind of take care of one another because if we don't look what happens. Yeah. And I heard, I actually heard this from a friend today. Well, the you war, no friends. the war out there. Yeah. I got, a, I got plenty of friends. Look yeah, at that. Look at you. You're an example of a friend, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we were talking about the war and they're like, well, it doesn't affect me. So we should not get involved in it. Yeah. But I, I'm trying to explain what's going on and I understand how people feel. But for me, being born and raised in Hawaii and having generations here in Hawaii, I'm thinking and I'm saying, you know what? Something's wrong here. In Hawaii, Americans were raised with the mentality of me, me. You know, and it's great to be independent and everyone should be independent. But there comes certain times in your lives or certain periods where we must become a collective. Yeah. Because that's the only way we're going to make it work. And people in Hawaii had those values back then. We don't have it no more because we've become well, so Americanized that we have forgotten our Polynesian ways. We have forgotten our Eastern ways, the way we did things here in Polynesia. We were never so yeah. westernized as we are today. Well, it's interesting because sometimes, you know, when I bring up the fact that Americans are too individualistic, you know, they kind of get offended and they're like, oh, no, you know, people just need to work hard and whatever. But it's like, oh, actually, Americans have always been individualistic per their culture. Right. Irish stuck with the Irish. Um you know, Germans stuck with the Germans. You know, no one ever really like reached out and helped like one another in a sense. Like if you go to China, because um, they all are Chinese. So and they are brought up with this um, collective community type mindset where, hey, uh, we're all in this together. Everything that I do is going to impact you. So we should take care of one another. But in, uh, yeah, in America, we're just like, we're like, oh, that person is, you know, mentally ill, urinating on themselves, masturbating in front of the preschool downtown. Uh, you know what? Not my problem, Not but my you problem. shouldn't be allowed to uh, send them to the hospital to get them care that they need. Right, right, and, and it's like, whoa, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so that I okay. find to be really upsetting <laughs> to me. You know, when I was growing up, we had the mentality. So I used to explain to people, people would always say that New York was, the cosmopolitan city of the world because so many people live there from mm -hmm. all cultures. Yes, a lot of people from all cultures live in New York. But you explained it just right. You had um, Little Italy, um, Chinatown, Little Odessa, the, um, little, um, the Irish town. They had the individual enclaves mm -hmm. in New York and they stayed within themselves. But when you came to Hawaii back then, you had all of them together whether they were German, Irish, Russian, no matter what the background was, yeah. you could find them all on the same block. Not only could you find them all on the same block, you could find them intermingling and intermarriage with people. When I grew up, if someone was suffering or family needed help, the families got out there, they threw a big party, sat down, kind of capilla, however you want to say it, sat down, the parents would play music, and the children would run around while everybody's supporting the other families mm. that need help, whether it be food, whatever. We were always there. Our doors were always open. And remind 
just so you know, when I said my doors was always open, our doors were literally open and we grew up in a housing project <laughs> in Kalihi at that. In Kalihi. Yeah. And no one feared for themselves and their lives. And we all had an open door policy. We're there to help each other. Not today. We have become so Americanized and there's nothing wrong with certain parts aspect of the American um, way. But when you become so individualistic that you forget about your neighbor yeah, and you don't care anymore, then something's wrong. We well, lost. And it's also we messed lost. up when you're so individualistic and you, you feel you're so much more high, mighty and intelligent than everyone else that you're telling people who live in, let's just say Chinatown, right. that they're wrong for wanting to do something to, to help you know, the mentally ill or the homeless and that these people should just be left to their own accord. And it's like, wait, bro, you live on the other side of the island in a nice big house, nice grass yard, and you don't have these problems there. So you don't fully comprehend. And they, they always want to say, oh, no, no, I've, I've, knew, I've known homeless people. Okay, okay. That's like say, that's like when you're back on the East Coast and someone tells a white dude, oh, you're racist. Like, no, I have a black friend, bro. Like, right. no, it doesn't mean anything, bro. Uh, it's, it's interesting, but it's going to come, come down to, to people who want elected officials specifically who are willing to fight and, and and not just fight, but I mean like really push to make what would be considered radical changes, right? Because nobody likes change. So um, because otherwise we're just going to keep getting the same thing from the same people. And then like locals will wonder why their kids, kids, never come to visit Hawaii because it's kind of, it'll be kind of like, well, you know, your grandkids don't want to come because when they step off the, the plane, you know, they're stepping in human waste and there's, you know, homeless people laying on the tarmac at the airport because apparently they should just be allowed to do that. Like it's just, at some point people should want better. Yeah. And we should all want better. I mean, you used to live here in um, Chinatown. Obviously you don't anymore. I still live here and I play a big active part here in Chinatown. And it is that urination, that defecation, and <laughs> that having the sex in front of everybody. Yep, right you on wanna, the side. You want to do your drugs? Fine. But do it somewhere private, out of sight, out of mind, in a house, somewhere else. But that urination, that defecation, and all of that outside, being done outside, makes it unhealthy for any of us to be living here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we live in the middle of an ocean in one of the most beautiful places on earth, if not beautiful places on earth. I miss the smell of the flowers of the plumeria of the <laughs> peacocky. We should downtown Honolulu, Chinatown should smell beautiful. There's one place that I used to go and they had this sort of houseless situations, but every time I went there, I loved it. It was Washington, DC. Mm. Washington DC was a clean city and it smelled good. Mm come to Chinatown, downtown Honolulu, you want to run out of the place. And we need to change that. We need to re-beautify Chinatown and renew it because it is that jewel, hidden jewel on Oahu. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's just kind of like, it's going to be a, it has to be a collective group of, of people who are in positions that want to make a change. For too long, we've just had people in power that, like I was saying earlier, they just want to throw you numbers because right. these numbers sound good. These numbers show we're working. Ah, those numbers ain't shit. I'm not an idiot, no, no. but you're talking to me like I'm an idiot. Yeah. And that 
that makes me mad because if I was an employer and I could fire you for your ridiculousness, I would fire you. Right, right. No, and 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 that, I, but sorry, but but I think that's how people should look at elected officials. They are your employee. Right. You are their employer. If they're not doing the job, they should not continue to have that job. I, I totally that's, agree. With, I, I totally agree with you. Um, that one statement is that you said that they're trying to make me look like an idiot. Yeah. Um, but you're making the two wrong people. You, you if you're gonna be talking to James Logue or Ernest Cavalier about their situation of houselessness or Shulan, I should be quiet about this situation of houselessness here in downtown Chinatown. We don't need to see the numbers because we know what the numbers are. Yeah. We can look and tell you. We can tell you who belongs here and we can tell you their names. We know these people. We know them by names. They know who we are too. And well, um, we express this. And they refuse in the housing. And they'll tell you why. They're scared. Well, they have no way to help themselves. It's interesting too because especially in Hawaii, like you could tell a lot of these people are not from Hawaii. Yes. Because... In Hawaii, they they still have that "I take care of you" mentality. Like there's 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 a there's people who who just can't take care of someone in their family who's mentally ill, and now they're on the streets and whatever. But for the most part, you know, people here care and they take care of their family members. You know, I always joke that uh, where I'm from, Pittsburgh, right? Like as soon as I used to tell my mom, like soon as soon as you're old, you're going to the old folks' home. Like you ain't gonna <laughs> live at home with us. But, you know, of course, I'm joking, but in Hawaii is different. Like, it's not like an old folks home is not even like they don't even no one even thinks about it unless you need like real care that, you know, your family member can't provide for you. But uh, it it's just it's culture. Yeah, it's, it's it's just it's aggravating because a lot of these homeless people are not from here. And again, politicians don't want to admit it. I testified at the Capitol for a, a representative who was introducing a bill um, that was dealing with homelessness that I liked. And then, you know, it just seems like it f- fell on deaf ears. But, like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nasty, ugly situation when you bring up homelessness. They don't want to talk about it. Yeah. They don't want to address it. But we have to talk about it and we have to address it. Because I tell you what, those people that are on the streets, and you and I both, we know them. We knew most majority of them by names. They are actually very decent people. Yeah. It's just about getting people cleaned up and getting them back in. Yeah. But you cannot throw them into a housing first if they do not have the tools to help themselves to manage the department and get through everything else. There needs to be tools associated. Well, and there, there should be long-term permanent care because a lot of these people cannot and will never be able to take care of themselves but it doesn't mean that we as a society we're rich as a nation we're just letting fellow human beings fellow citizens just defecate on and you know they're mentally ill like you could you could look at them you know okay that guy's got problems or that lady's got problems but you know we just we're just like oh yeah just leave them out there to their own accord you know they have that right it's like no they don't and no we shouldn't leave them out there no (laughs) at this point we should be parents when our elderly when our elderly our kupuna get older yeah Mm. we're there for them they may forget certain things in life but we're there to guide them and make sure they're okay we should be doing this out there with our mentally ill a lot of our people that are mentally ill will never come back into a society to be productive people or society because they're too far gone 
but that doesn't mean we leave them out there on the streets. So yeah. are we more compassionate to allow them to be on the streets, to defecate upon themselves, pick up the defecation and throw it at windows or while they're urinating and having sex in public? <laughs> Does that make us compassionate? No. So we got to think about who is a compassionate person. I had um, several people from the mainland come upstairs, and you know my view. I can see everything down there. Yeah? And they were like, they were like, oh, my God. What are you guys doing to help those houseless people there? They're just pissing and defecating all over the place. And I explained this history, and they're like, well, who is the most compassionate person? The person is going to take them and be a strong person that's going to be a parent and get them into the mental um, health rehab situations mm -hmm. or the person that's looking at them and doing nothing and laughing. Yeah. Think or looking it. at them yeah. and saying, oh, yeah. that's their right. Uh, yeah, that's right. That, no, no, you know, it, it's, it is not our right to go on the street and pee and urinate. <laughs> it is not our right to go on the streets and defecate. So then why do you do it? No, I, because I'm just following your lead. No. <laughs> hey, I'm just following <laughs> what's, what's allowed to be, you no. know, like, but uh, no, it's just, I mean, it's so you're pulling, you're pulling a stranger over late at night because they just got out of the bar. Mm -hmm. They're drunk. We obviously know that. But they have to pee because there's no place for them to pee. And the bars won't let them back in because they're going to get fined yeah. because we have nowhere for anyone to pee. But they have to pee. So they're getting caught and they're getting pulled over by the cops because now they're <laughs> peeing. So the cops are writing them out a ticket. But yet when the house is doing it, it's mm -hmm. okay. Well, uh, you cannot have the double standard. Well, it kind of goes into, I don't believe police should be revenue generators. No, they like, shouldn't. You're going to give me a jaywalking. I didn't get a jaywalking ticket, but I'm just saying you're going to give me a jaywalking ticket because you look at me and you assume I have money and you know I could pay that ticket. But a homeless person who's walking right next to me jaywalking, you won't even bother because you know they're never going to pay and it's going to be more paperwork than it's worth. Uh, and in my opinion, that goes because police are revenue generators. You know, towards the end of the month, they have their quota, which is a true thing. Uh, you know, and so what do you do? You see H1, police all over H1, pulling people over. You know, they're all responding to things all of a sudden because they have to cert certain quota, right? And to me, that's just gross. Like, bro, like if our focus isn't traffic on H1, until the end of the month because you want to get tickets like that doesn't that does nothing to prevent the accidents that happen the rest of the time on each one where you're not patrolling and you're not going after speeders uh, it just it, it drives me nuts no, it drives me nuts our police are here to protect and serve yeah. the people of the community and the they same shouldn't token, be expected they, to have a quota they or, have or a quota, raise they, money but they shouldn't be expected to deal with the houses and to Rain the houses in. That's not their job. We well, need yeah. behavioral therapists out there to help the therapists come in because our, a lot of our police officers are not trained in behavioral health, social services, yeah. which I think there needs to be a looking at the way things are done at HPD and maybe police coming in should be taught in this aspect of behavioral health. Should, should those coming in to be police officers be required to have a college education? That's a good question. In most but, cities, they are, but not yeah, here. But not here. But a lot of our police officers that go through the training and finally make it in to be a police officer at HPD, they get recruited by the mainland. <laughs> yeah. For cities. Why? Because Hawaii is <laughs> Honolulu is known to have one of the best training courses for policemen but, see, and, and women. And that's funny, too, because, again, politicians are like, well, no, that's not, you know, maybe a few or whatever. Uh, No. no. 
I have friends who work in uh, police departments in, in San Diego and L.A., and they do actively recruit come him. over and recruit because why spend your states and counties money to send these people through an academy, which is a good academy, right? when you could just say, hey, we can pay you more than you make there. Right. And, and, and they do. And your dollar goes more on the mainland. <laughs> like, and but, again, but again, it won't change because no one wants to sit down and say, yeah, no, that's, no. that's right. How can we address that? So everything comes down to, and you, to me, is a root problem. Hawaii, when I was going to school, had a great education system. Hawaii, when it was a kingdom, over 90, I believe 99% of the people were able to read and write, not just in Hawaiian, but in several different languages. Hawaii had a great education system, and something happened. We lost that education system, and we no longer have a good education system. Oh, yeah. We... Look at our teachers, and we look down on them as babysitters, and they're not. These teachers are the future. These teachers are the leaders of the free world. They educate the future of our nation, and yet we do not give them any of the respect they need to. No, no teacher not. should have to work <laughs> two to three jobs just to survive in the state of Hawaii. I uh, no one. I think it's crazy that teachers have to spend their own money for supplies for the classroom. What? And there, there's people who will say, oh, no, teachers, they make enough and they get the summers off and blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. I, I've taught. I taught English in Brazil, Brazil to people of different ages. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, like that's that's a time consuming job. And I give teachers all the credit because I used to give my teachers all kinds of shit. <laughs> so. They're there to educate kids, but in the meantime, they're babysitting, they're, you know, they're, they're life coaching, they're, they're doing, because these kids are in school for like eight hours. Eight hours a day. The parents Five days aren't a week. raising them for that eight hours. No. And you have a classroom of like 30 students, and you're making like 50000 a year, but you're babysitting 30 so, students. Yeah, so if you want to break that down to what a babysitter gets. Yeah. I mean, that teacher would be a millionaire, <laughs> but <laughs> should be. Yeah. So, and I, I agree with you. We've, we've, for too long, we have been unjust to our teachers. And it's time that the people of Hawaii wake up and understand well, that education is important. And we here, need to pay our teachers. But here's my complaint with that again. It goes to, we keep picking these same, same leaders leaders who don't do nothing during campaign season they go in and they talk about oh i support the teacher i support i'll, I'll fight for you i'll fight for you and then when they win and they get the endorsement and they win well they're nowhere to be found and oh i can't support that but you know you know i can't do the pay raise thing because there's this and then you know so it's like bro like in my opinion, you don't tell people you'll fight for them if you're not going to yeah. fight for them. Because like, it's just like, why? Why? I mean, I would just be straight up yeah. with you. Like, oh, I can't. I'm not going to be able to fight for that one. Sorry. Yeah. So for me, the teachers, that's a profession. Yeah. Just like being a lawyer is a profession. You know, or a paralegal. These are professions. And professional teachers, teachers should get it paid at a professional rate. Oh, yeah. I don't care what anyone says. But we're paying our Teachers are ridiculous. We cannot even retain our teachers. Our teachers are running away so fast. They don't want to be here in Hawaii. Just think about and it. The education system goes down and down and down. Think about it. You're a teacher. Yes, you're in Hawaii. There's always that trade-off. But it, 
it does not have to be a tra- people just accept oh that's the trade-off this no should not be a you trade-off. deserve better yeah you have one life to live you get to live it one time you owe nobody anything except yourself yeah. to have a good quality life you should appreciate what you have and of course always want more but you should appreciate this life and, and want better for it. Right. You don't have to settle. Well, it's Hawaii. That's a trade-off. No, no, no. no it I, doesn't have to be. And like, I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing, yeah. oh, well, that's the price you pay to live in paradise. Yeah. Well, brother, guess what? I was born and raised here. So what you call paradise <laughs> is not paradise to me. It's my home. Yeah. And I should not have to be shed on to live in my own home. I should not have to be looked down to live on my own. I'm a hard worker. And I've done a lot of good in my communities. I made a lot of mistakes. But guess what? I'm a human being. But you see, it's going to come down to... Because it's even like, and we both know, because we've run for office a few times. And when you go to these like union PAC meetings, the political action committee, where they determine if they're going to you know, endorse candidates or not, it's always an individualistic mindset. They're right. not thinking about their members that live in those districts or their members as a whole. They're thinking about themselves and how do they feel about that specific candidate do they know someone that knows them are they related to them and that's how they choose but in the end it should be about the in my opinion should be about the membership and the collective because you're not doing your members any good when you keep endorsing um candidates that aren't actually doing anything for those members like you're better off just not endorsing any right just (laughs) if, if that's the case um so as those packs, as you said, because I'm, I'm very familiar with them, they should start thinking about who is better for them, not who does your bosses want. I'm sorry. Yeah, I well, I mean, hey, man, and it's sad because that's just that's the reality of it. Like there's a lot of good people who've run for office and lost. They couldn't get endorsements. And really, if you can't get endorsements, it's hard to win. Right. And they just kind of gave up, like, but they had the desire, the passion, the ideas and the drive to fight. But then they start realizing this system's fucked and I'm not going to waste my time with it. I'm going to move on to something else. But yeah, no. So after a while, I guess to the point of the greatness, why am I putting myself up there? Mm. Why am I doing this? I mean, hell, I live in Chinatown and as an activist in Chinatown, you put yourself up. For more than just ridiculous, anything. you put your life on danger for a lot of things that are happening out here, and you know, but no one cares, no one's there for you. And how Keep- long does a person or should a person continue to say, I'm gonna continue to fight for my community when that community or the people who know better are not helping? Yeah, to bring them in. And that that's kind of always what's disappointing too about you know, people that want change, right. But again, they're just afraid to make the change. Like when I ran for office, uh, you know, I was, of course, disappointed when I lost because I was like, I have dedicated so much time and energy to issues that impacted not just our community, but other communities. But I, you know, it was hard because I, I, if you can't win, there's nothing really you could do. Like I only have so many hours after I work my regular job right. to dedicate to helping the community as opposed to imagine. So people always said, Oh, why do you want to run for office? I said, because I don't feel like anyone's fighting for my voice and and the voice of those around me. And 
why not do what I do in my free time with a little bit of time that I have? Why not do that full time? Because imagine the impact that I could have if I could do it full time. And that was my focus. I had the tools and the people behind me to get things done. But how do you pay your rent? How do you pay yeah, your food? You can't pay your I rent mean, on volunteer I mean, activities. You cannot. I work a full time job. Um, I belong to the different several different nonprofit groups, which I'm proud to be a part of. And I enjoy those groups because these groups all give into the different communities mm -hmm. and I love them all. So when I'm off work, even the boys are telling me and their kids are telling me, Papa, I don't see you enough. And that's yeah. true because after I get off of work and I, since I'm working at home, I just want to get off of the computer and leave that computer. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to get back onto that computer because I'm doing my other job, mm -hmm. nonprofit work, and helping to get the community better. I'm trying to do everything I can to bring things together. But, you know, who appreciates that? No one. Maybe the people out in the streets that are having a hard time, they appreciate it. But do the people in office appreciate it? Do the voting public appreciate what you're doing? That's the question. They don't care because that's the hard they, part too. They right? want to see you on the streets 40 hours a week. Right. If you want to see me on the streets 40 hours a week working hard, yeah. then you need to pay me what I'm worth 40 hours a week. On see, the that's streets. always going to happen. That's always the unfortunate part too, is like for people who are extremely active in their communities and, and, and doing other things to benefit people, they don't get the, the press coverage. They don't get the media coverage, but that, uh, the, the elected official or government official, who's already has the position, you know, they'll just show up to an event that somebody else organized right. who doesn't get any limelight. Right. They'll show up and they'll be interviewed for the news and they'll be in the newspaper. But the people who actually organize the thing, no light. And then so these people who don't really pay attention so much because they're busy working, they don't know who did what. Right. They just know that this elected official sent them a flyer. There's a picture of them doing something in the neighborhood. But, hey, that's good to but me. But it wasn't them. It is us. We are the grassroots. It is us that do this. We are the, the ones people, that set yeah. this up. We as the people. And that's what we do. And you know what? I don't worry about that limelight. That's not what I'm in here for. I'm not in here to be on the news every single night. I'm not in here to have my face plastered. I'm in here to serve the people to help my people, our people, so that they can have a better quality of life, to help our teachers to get better pay. Because like I said, when I was going to school, my parents, and I grew up in the housing projects again, people, they took us shopping for our clothes, for our books, our school supplies, and everything. My mom worked her okole off. That's right. <laughs> my mom worked her okole off so that I could leave Kalihi Kai and go to St. Anthony's of Kalihi, yeah, to get yeah. a better education. And God props to my mom, you know, and, but she worked with Kalia for us. She didn't, because she was in the housing, raising us in the housing, did not mean that she didn't do nothing and sit around and drink all day long <laughs> like yeah. people do today. No, yeah. she was out there working her butt Kalia for all of us and love her to death. This is what we need to do. We need to bring back the sense of community because people, it takes a community to raise a child. Well, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't think at this, at this juncture that that is even possible because the amount of people who've moved here and invested here, uh, yes, they don't have that 
cultural that, that cultural uh, like they don't even so let's just say like foreign buyers of of the properties here like they don't they don't care so much about what's going on in the community they just are they going to be able to rent this thing out a couple times a year to make all this money on their investment and and they don't care who they're renting to as long as they're paying right. so i i just i think at this point trying to bring the community together just that's the scary not point. not unless you're in a place like uh like like why and i why and i why manalo yeah and all those that. are still pretty and, tight yeah, and we need and we need to make sure they stay that way and we need to protect these communities from ever going but you raise another issue that's important why should a foreign person be able to come to hawaii and right off the bat buy land and everything out right on top hawaii needs to think and restructure the way we do things. And I think we need a residency law in Hawaii. One that touches this issue because no one should be able to come into our homelands, our aina, and buy everything up because you're right. So if you go down to Kaka'ako, you see all these nice, beautiful, tall buildings built for condos. And guess poorly what? Poorly built. Poor, yes. Yeah. Let's, let's put this poorly yeah. built. These will be underwater soon. Mark yeah. my words. But anyway, you take these places and... You look, many of them at night are darkened. Yeah. Why? Because no one lives there. The people that bought these places are renting it out on certain occasions, making their money back. Yeah. And they don't care if it says <laughs> empty. So at the same time, now again, then we can move back to the affordable housing thing. Look at all these empty spaces that we could put people into. Mm-hmm. What it says is that we need to build, we need about 45 more thousand or Build twenty-seven more thousand homes. I'm not. I'm not sure what the number is now, but it's going to increase yeah. every month. It's, yeah, because... it increases. And the way we do business, um, it takes construction to get into doing things. We're doing this wrong too. It shouldn't take a year to break ground and start building. Mm-hmm. We're taking the permission well, process. The... It's taking too long. Look at that one senior housing project. That uh, what's his name? Uh, Dennis? Dennis, yeah. For years, they've been planning and developing, just waiting on the permits and and things like that, like to get the process just even breaking ground. (laughs) Like three years or something. And they do a good job because they barely make a dime off of this project. These are all just senior housing and affordable housing for people. And so the one that they have planned that was going to go right down here... um, Kikaliki Mao and all that with the mm-hmm. hotel and the new building's going, that's done. That's dead. That was approved by the neighbor board 13 and we're all for it because it's going to bring um, affordable housing there. That's yeah. dead because the hotel, because um, of the height and the hotel fought against it and <laughs> now it's dead. And again, and to me, that just goes to show like you took these outside interests to heart more than you took the community's interests and needs to heart right. and but there's no repercussions, right? Yeah. Okay, because let's face it, they're not going to lose their job. No, of they're, not. They're, if they're an elected official, they're going to get reelected. If they're appointed to a position, they're going to keep that position until you know the governor or the mayor that appointed them is out of office. You know, uh, but it's so it's so weird to me because I guess just touching on the corruption real quick, like how much money does somebody need? It's kind of like with with the Amazon vote, the unionizing of that, uh, that in New York. In New York, right there. You know, I love that. I love that story. I love that story. I love it, but Amazon <laughs> said they're going to fight that. Let's see what happens. Because that dude was like, "Okay, 
you want to fire me? Okay, screw it. Right. I'm going to get back at you the best way that I can. And, and he did. <laughs> he and organized. He, and he won. And that, that is a fight for the small guy because, and I, I think he had said something or it was attributed to him. I don't know if he actually said it, but he said something along the lines of while you were in space, I was here organizing, <laughs> which is basically saying like, you had enough money to go to space but you couldn't give us a pay increase. You couldn't give us a better work environment. Like we're the ones who who, who built your company we are the ones for, with you. So, like I get it. Like I don't, I don't mind Jeff Bezos being a billionaire. No. But at a certain point, when you start hearing people are pissing in bottles, uh, people can't take breaks. You know they're being you know micromanaged to the second. Yeah. I have a problem with that. I, and I have a problem with because that. Because you, you're not a billionaire without those people. Right. So, And those people deserve more respect. So I think um, this is something I've been thinking for a long time. Um, you don't think. Could, yeah. Right, I, I think a lot. You should know this. <laughs> I see you more than I see anybody else in my life. You know, kind of strange there. But, <laughs> but anyway, that, that, that's what I'm trying to say with this train of thought. I feel that the way things are going in America itself as a nation, we are witnessing the fall of the American empire, that America will totally looks different. I see that if these one percenters or billionaires don't understand, that's nothing wrong. You made it well, I have no problem with that just as yeah. you. But it's going to come a point that there's going to be a revolution again. I'm not saying a revolution of the states. I'm saying a revolution of the worker mm -hmm. against that multi-billionaire. And it's going to come if we continue on this well, ride. And that's why my, my I've always liked the idea of gentlemen that I, I met at the Hare Krishna temple when I went just to visit. I forget his name. He started the shopper's party. Or I think it's a shopper's party or something. It's a legit party in Hawaii. And he said his whole thing is... The consumer has the ultimate power. Yes. And that power is the money that they spend on the product. Right. If you don't like, if you truly, truly support Amazon workers, like that's your, as much as you post on Facebook, like that's your passion. Oh, I support the workers. You know, I pray for them. Blah, blah, blah. Don't buy from Amazon. Yeah, then don't buy from Amazon. Bottom line. Don't buy anything from Amazon. That Amazon hurt from the top. Because so yeah, if you boycott Amazon, Amazon have... will change real quick. Oh, yeah, Cuz that's why companies change because of societal pressure. Right. And you know, but people they let they'll let like Amazon post something about Black Lives Matter. And they're like, "Oh god, I'm going to buy from Amazon." Yeah. Amazon don't give a fuck about Black Lives Matter. But people don't want to admit that. They just want to jump on that bandwagon. train and that bandwagon, but it's like, "Hell, like Amazon don't give a fuck." Dude's just trying to go to space again on your dime, which is okay. If you if he can do that, it's okay. But that person shouldn't have to piss in a water bottle. No. And that person should get a day off. And those people should make more money because to do a very monotonous, repetitive job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's there. low skill, but it's kind of like you, you still deserve a decent paycheck because that doesn't happen without that okay. person's job. Everyone deserves a decent paycheck. And we got to understand in society, you're going to have those here, those that are here, 
then those that are here, and then the, those are here, and those are here. Yeah. You need all these. They're all part of a worker mechanism which keeps our society going. Yeah. Like, and, you have to... No. Like, I never like attacking, attacking the, the rich the way the left kind of does. Right. Because if you don't allow for people to be wealthy, which is what the United States did, you don't get the United States, which means right. you don't get your iPhone, you don't get your Facebook, you don't get none of that. You get what they had in like China before they started copying us. Right. You can just turn the, the base, yeah? Like turn that the other way. Look at that. No, you can keep going. You can turn the pole and the base. Right. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, I forgot what I was talking about, but China. <laughs> oh yeah, like they don't. Let uh, the wealthy be wealthy. Yeah, it's they didn't start having those types of, of of various wealthy people like Jack Ma and all that until they adopted capitalism. And they have to. They're a little bit better at it because they regulate. It. They're like, hold on, you you, why you got all that money? What are you doing? You know, like <laughs> the Communist Party, you know, controls the businesses there. But in America, we're just like, oh yeah, you want to make hundred times the amount of money that your lowest level worker makes like that's and it's not crazy to me. No, it, it is crazy it's not good it's not fair but that shows you the mentality of america as a whole and that shows you the mentality of the top one percent who controls america their yeah. bottom line saying is we you me everyone else we are nothing but indentured servants we're their servants we're here to work for them to make Basically. their money so they can do whatever they want whenever they want while they're living aboard the luxurious yachts. Yep. I mean, look at Putin's job. Oh my God. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, okay. And they live in a communist country. No, no. Yeah. So the people. The leaders up, of the countries yeah, are capitalists, capitalists, but they uh, yeah, but use communism use, yeah, to and socialism to control the people. Uh, uh, that's sad, but the people are not seeing that. They don't yeah. see that part. It's not because the people are ignorant or dumb, because they don't get to see that. So, well, it's also because, I mean, imagine, you know, imagine you are making less than a dollar a day. You have a family to feed. You really don't have time to pay attention or rebel against a, no, no, an you, authoritarian or no, whatever no, type government because you just you don't have time and you don't have the energy because you're busy trying to get money and raise your family and all that. And it's kind of like what has happened in America. People didn't have the time or the energy to fight Amazon. Because they were trying to work because they needed that job to pay their bills. And then it took this this one dude. I, I can't remember his name. Yeah, it was just on the news. I forgot who it was. It took this dude. He said, you know what? Screw it. Like, I got you. Yeah. And, and, and I give him I give him kudos to what he did. I was excellent. I was watching the news the other days and I was laughing. I said, that's all it takes. <laughs> but you know, personally myself, I cannot take that one day off. Mm -hmm. that one day is very important because I have bills to pay and things to pay. And I, unfortunately I live in Hawaii and somebody says, no matter what. So what? Like you, I think it was you. Yeah. So the eggs today, but um, eggs was almost eight, $9 <laughs> for eggs, yeah. which is ridiculous. You know, but when you think about what they're paying for it in the mainland, yes, they're paying a higher price than they normally pay, the workers still making more money. Yeah, the workers making more money. Then we are in Hawaii. Our counterparts make more money than we do. 
which is which is gross to me and which is another thing where it's like you know the people just keep accepting the fact that these companies can come over here and pay us below but national below, average below way, and it's not below it's way below and uh, and so do our state government positions yeah. like the position that i'm in in california is like four thousand something dollars like to start i was like wait whoa what i was like that's incredible you know uh it's it, the people have to want more right and if they don't want it's always throughout history it's always been a small group of people who wanted more that fought to get more and then everyone prospered from it right and then you know look what happens just kind of like uh, everyone just gets complacent basically and you know next thing you know now you have this power elite class now you have these uh the big tech industry who's controlling everything and it's just like what happened like how how is the world the planet earth made up of billions of people and of those what seven billion people you have a couple hundred who control everything everything and the only way they get to control everything is because the rest of the uh, six point whatever billion people are just too busy don't have time to fight back but at some point people you know might wake up and and say you know what at some point we have time to fight we have to we have to wake up and it's not about become a socialist country it's not about becoming a communist country or a capitalist country it's about the people waking up and seeing what's being done because people all over the world i mean what's happening in the world affects hawaii yeah and you know? so it, 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 it we have to work out and then on that train talk i was just thinking about what you had said earlier and i want to make a comment on it uh oh um, and you're you're so right I see everybody in Hawaii, all these politicians saying, well, California did this, Minnesota did this, and so and th- so let's do what they're doing. Yeah. But Hawaii, you gotta wake up. What works on the continental United States does not work here in Hawaii. Yeah. We are an island nation. And we should be proud of being that island nation. And what works out there is not gonna work for us. We need to find our own creative ways of making things right. Food sustainability is a must. We must have food sustainability. So because we have to have food sustainability, that means we can no longer go out this way. But we must go up because that's what's going to happen if we want to save our farmlands. And we need to save our farmlands and we need to help our small farmers. And we need to start purchasing food from Hawaii. It should be a law. Safeways and all these other companies should not be be able to bring their eggs and their meats into Hawaii. We should buy from Hawaii first. Tell me again politicians every year the coffee labeling bill dies because these companies claim they're making kona coffee and their coffees from hawaii but it's less than 10 percent less than 10 percent. so people are buying this coffee they go oh this is grown in hawaii it's great but it's coming from california it's coming from thailand it's coming from all over but but again the politicians that sit in these committees are like well you know, uh, we should just uh, allow them to continue doing that because of the jobs they create. And it's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, like, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Uh, the, and one of the Big Island representatives still tries to fight 
for that bill because it should be labeled, you know, only X amount. Right. No, and it should. If you if you look a lot of corn coffee, and you'll see majority of it is less than ten percent. It's not even corner coffee. It's everything else but corner coffee. Yeah, and, it, and it's unfair. You know, people got pissed off when Kim Kardashian named one of her one of her products after after a certain culture. I can't even remember it all, but people were pissed off, and she ended up having to change it. But yet, it seems like, and I even talked to Senator Wakai about this when I had him on my podcast. It just seems like in Hawaii, we're just selling everything to the to the to highest the highest but not even the highest bidder like the first dude who asks first dude who's like yo i'll give you 10 grand in poker chips if you uh kill this bill like, oh yeah i'll kill the shit out that bill for 10 grand in poker chips like <laughs> and again it kills me because i grew up being bullied in school yeah and i see politicians as as bullies in a sense not physically but in another aspect where you know they're bullying me by not standing up for me, with me, and the people of, of let's just say, Hawaii itself, right. bring it to this level. Right. Like, you're bullying us because, you know, you're, you're acting like my friend, but then you're selling us out down the river. Yeah. So you have people that are always complaining. They're complaining about this. And I understand. You have legitimate complaints. The problem with your complaint is I don't see you out there in the streets doing something to do something about it. I don't see you doing something. And no, I'm not telling you to um, take time off of your job to do this. There's other ways of doing things to get your voice heard. Yeah. And by electing or not electing people to the proper offices, you are the failure of Hawaii. We yeah. are the failure of and Hawaii. And there's really no excuse anymore. Like with, with social media and the internet, if you see people's names on a ballot that you're like, who is that? Right. You could Google them. Yeah, Google. Now, if you don't find anything about them or whatever, then it's like, okay, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, they're missing. They're, they're, that's why people say um, about Facebook, oh, you know, they take too much information, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know what? Hmm. We live in a different age where everything is out there hmm. on the internet. So, you know what? Run for office, do something, no care. Everyone, you made mistakes, but I'm not going to hold you to a mistake you made 50 years ago yeah. or whatever. You grow. If that was the case, then Yasser Arafat, go to my air, and all these people would have never been elected to their office because they were all terrorists at one point. Well, listen, man, most most of our presidents were scandalous. Right. You know, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> all of them, you know. Yeah. And even if you read the Bible, there were there were murderers and all that, mm. but they got elevated up and became saints and all that. So mm -hmm. read history and understand in life. We don't hold things against people. You learn from your experiences. When you tell me that you've always succeeded in everything you've done, then I know you're a liar because <laughs> you have to fail to be a success. Yeah. Bottom line. Well, it is. I do believe people do change. Sometimes it takes a radical moment well, in their life. People who can change. Like, will change. You know, maybe Chris Walk stops being a comedian because he got <laughs> smacked in the face. <laughs> So now his life will change. <laughs> you know, what but, What happened then? Will Smith should have never gone up and hit him. If he wanted to sit down verbally and uh, cast him, then he then he could have. But I understand. Chris I mean, Rock was told on many occasions for many years to leave this name out of his mouth, but he keeps on attacking them. And what, yeah, see, but, it's like he had a personal... <laughs> it seemed like it was a personal Yeah, that definitely seemed personal. the Smith family. 
and Chris Rock has been doing this, and yet all these people are giving Chris Rock all this praise. I think everybody needs to think. Well, what well, brought this up? Well, something that, that brought so, this so up. So that, that that's where it comes down. Like the the facts. There's no solid facts. So we could say Chris Rock knew or was told, but who knew? Who 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 told him? Where, where's the article? Right. Is that article? Is that author biased? Because look at the media nowadays. Everything's biased and trying to drive a narrative. Uh, I understand why Smith felt the need to do that in a sense, but there's still no excuse for that. But so one thing that I I started thinking about was what were we just complaining about in Chinatown with the homeless people? One of the biggest causes of homelessness is (laughs) mental illness. Mental illness. If you look at Will Smith's for the past couple years, his interviews, and if you know anything about the, the scan, not the scandals, but like the things like his wife, like sleeping with other guys right, and is. rappers mm-hmm. and, and they have like an open relationship. relationship. And, then, and then when you hear about how his mom was treated by his father and how he swore he would never do that. I, I, I believe that that moment was kind of like a, a, snap a mental moment. health. It was a snapping moment. And Chris Rock had the right um, response. But it, like the media just kind of fucking just keeps throwing out, uh, 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 Will Smith smacked Chris Rock. Let's talk like, but well, because it why? sells, because it sells. Yeah. It sells. And it's like, I know he smacked him because he we, we made are. the joke about Jada, right. but why? Because people have made jokes about Jada, about Will for years, and he never went on stage and smacked him. And then him. finally. And something. But, you know, snapped. but. If you look at the history between Will Smith, well, he did smack Chris a reporter, Rock. but that reporter was a bitch. Right. So, so, but if you look at the history of um, Chris Rock and um, Will Smith, there's been that bad history between them, and so. Well, see, yeah, see, I don't know much so. about that, but I still think like Will Smith is a is a professional, yeah, and no. he would know better than to do no, no. that. And, and you're absolutely right. As a professional, there he should have never taken that walk, because. Yeah. Um, it ruined his evening. The best actor. <laughs> All the awards given out that night. The yeah. biggest focus is on the best actor. Yeah, it is the best actor's night, and it's and it took away from that. And Will Smith, being in that position, should have known better and held back. He should have made this more private. And, yeah, and, you know. But you know, the question has been. What at that moment made him snap yeah. and change? And you're right. We don't know. But we have a problem with our media. They yeah, just it's... want to sell. Yeah. And so they're going to send this as far as they can. Well, it's funny to me. Instead that... of helping the man. But it's also funny to me, like, no, like in a lot of issues, like people pick a side. Not everybody, but the majority of people tend to just pick a side. They either support Will Smith. And Chris Rock is an asshole, or they support Chris Chris Rock Rock. and Will Smith is an asshole. You know, Joe Biden is the greatest president ever. Donald Trump is the greatest president ever. Why did you hear Joe Biden was the greatest president ever? But it's just like, (laughs) (laughs) well, he got the most votes ever. But but in my opinion, like, people don't take enough time to just sit back and and just look at the... You don't have to support either side. You can understand that there's some some gray area. You know, like when it comes to the Will Smith situation, like 
okay, yeah, he shouldn't have smacked him, kind of, but so, did he know? I don't know. But then when you look at the media um, coverage of Will Smith's family for the past couple of years, you know, they're criticizing his kids and right. criticizing the, his wife, the, criticizing uh, him, yes. and everyone's making jokes about them. At a certain point, you know, your brain just says, you, you, and, fuck and, it. And you, you, you're going to snap. You're going to yeah. snap. And, and that's sad. And this now becomes a societal issue. Yeah. We as society have allowed this to go on. We as society must remember, and as humans must remember, we do not need to know everything about that person's life. That's none of our business. In yeah. fact, it shouldn't be our business. All we need to know is that they're good persons and they're doing and taking care of their families. Nothing else should matter to us. Yeah. We should concern ourselves with our lives and making taking care of our communities and those around us. But instead, we want to know about Every single person's life that's out there in the limelight. That's yeah. not fair. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure on one yeah. person. And will snap. Okay? And it happened. But we don't know what brought it on and how it was brought on. But we do know that the media should have shut down at that moment and stop. It happened. Boom. Stop it. Don't carry it on. Yeah. But they know that we're all, American society is so greedy and so hungry. For this kind of um, drama. Well, now, now maybe people like, want to watch the Oscars. Like Nobody wants to watch the Oscars, bro. <laughs> the Oscars had ratings in the past because we didn't have streaming media. We were bored. Right. We didn't have shit else to do. But nowadays we have everything, everything. to do. Like everything. Nobody wants to watch. I don't. I, I just don't care about. You know, I want people to get awards for right. the good work. Right. That, because uh, like working as a background on the different TV shows, like. I've come to appreciate what they do an actor and what they do yeah. because it does take a lot of skill, a lot of time, a lot of effort. So I want them to get awards for, for doing outstanding jobs. Yeah. Like the new Batman movie yeah. should get all the awards. I love it. It was a great but, movie, yeah. but I don't want to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Like I'm glad you got an award, yeah. but did you tune in when I got my proud lions award? Like, did you tune in when I got my certificate from the city council? Like, no, like you don't care, right? Because right. it doesn't impact It you, doesn't like, impact you, you know. Nobody cares about the Oscars, man. But we, as a society, have to stop worrying and trying to find drama in other people's lives. Let people live their lives. Bro, we Let love them. Drama. Live them. And that's a societal problem. That needs to be addressed. I think it's, it's humans, a, it, man. I mean, humans love I, gossip. I, they love drama. I, they want to notice someone else is doing worse than they are at that moment. Yeah, but it seems <laughs> to have spiraled out of control. And um, when do we say enough is enough and then stop? And going back just to the simpler times, uh, will there ever be simpler times? I don't know. I was back to the days where we take care of our families, our ohana, where we take care of our communities, our, our puas. When are we going to start taking care of our people, our time? When are we going to start educating people? When are we going to start paying our people better money and wages for what they do? Which is a big problem here in Hawaii. What if we make it still 10-10? We don't go to 12-something till <laughs> January? 10-10, are you kidding me, in Hawaii? Yeah. No, you, no one can live off of 10-10. And the same politicians who said that we support this and we support that, well, they're... Where are they? At? Where are they? As the the minimum wage increase bill gets diluted and right. is about is gonna die. It's gonna die. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's gonna die or just be way watered down. Right. Like it's <laughs> that's what kills me. Like I 
for me, I'm the kind of person, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Do it. Yeah. And if other people who don't support that don't like it, then, then I don't care. Because I, I told you, hey, I got to do that for you. And, and you do it. Like, and I'll do it. Uh, it's just, it blows my mind, man. It blows my mind. I always get, I always get so frustrated when it comes to like, politics which is why i think a lot of people just don't care about politics right yeah <laughs> no and, and a lot of people um, it's too much like stress I, so i think at one point several years ago uh there were only um maybe say 31 percent of the population registered to vote and yeah. only maybe 20 something percent of the people voted if that so that's first of all only 31 percent of the people that are registered voted i'm not a registered vote and then only 20 something voted that's saying a lot I talk to many of my family members. They're actors, not they're they're um teachers, they're um doctors, they're lawyers. They don't vote. Yeah, they don't care. They don't vote. It's not that they don't care because they really do genuinely care about Hawaii. Mm -hmm. They're just sick and tired of being told that people are gonna do this and no one does it. Yeah, they get disappointed and no one does over it. and over. It's like a child. If you keep on disappointing their child. He's not going to care no more. He's not going to even care. He's not going to look for you to get that affection, that love or what. But see, know? that's why it's interesting to me. Like, uh, I don't support everything like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does AOC. Right. But man, when she first got elected and she went to that newcomers briefing or whatever, what, newcomers orientation, right. and she was tweeting like, why is the former CEO of this company, this lobby group telling us how to do our business in the capital. Like what, like why are these things happening? Like I appreciate AOC for her being vocal and just kind of telling you like, this is what's going on. That's here. Like nobody does that. Nobody does that at pretty much at any state level. Like I want to know regularly, like what are you, what are you doing? What are you fighting for? What are you, what are you standing for? Because it goes back to the to the bullying thing. You're taking my tax money. You might as well be shaking me down in the schoolyard. Right, right. Yeah. Because you're taking my tax money, but you're not doing nothing for me, right? I'm just here benefiting you. So that that's why I always say that I think uh, as a lot of these politicians as, as bullies, because they're shaking the taxpayer down because they get that nice paycheck. They get a pension they get health coverage and they're and they're getting whatever money's been pocketed into their pocket yeah. but I then mean, meanwhile so we do not know but we know they're they're getting something because unfortunately majority of our politicians are in hawaii pocket money yeah. this is why we've been sold out yeah but it just and it just kills me like well there's aunties and uncles out here working two and three jobs right. literally because they need the money because it costs so much. And these politicians that could be passing economic policies that benefit the people, I'm doing especially nothing. in the working class. They're just like, the politicians are like, well, you know, uh, we had to kill that bill because so-and-so didn't like it. Oh, I mean, because, yeah, you know, yeah. we just, we couldn't get the verbiage down. Yeah. No, no, okay. right. no, the legalese down. Yeah, yeah, okay. the, the legalese on that okay. is someone did not like it. You know, they did not like the bill. What What I always try to tell people is, Government can do anything it wants to do. Right. Look what happened in Ukraine. Within minutes, the U.S. was sending billions of dollars in aid. 
but yet we couldn't send billions of dollars to like Flint, Michigan to get, dude, they have lead pipes, Kalihi, lead pipes, you know, like we can't send money to do that, but we can, it's, no, uh, the it, because the, it's the, the interests of the people who are in charge. Our priorities are very wrong. Kills me. I mean, it's very wrong. I mean, now that Red Hill is supposed to be defused and decommissioned, yeah. how long is that going to take? That's the next question. Yeah. Is it going to take a year? Is it going to take two? How long is it going to take them to do that? And even once they remove those chance from that, they have to clean the whole area. Are, is the Navy federal government going to clean that area? Because it's not going to be a livable area for quite some time. I just want to apologize to the people for the cop sirens in the background, but this is Chinatown. And that is kind of the standard background noise. <laughs> yeah. Some people have birds and crickets. Chinatown has ambulance and police sirens. Police sirens. <laughs> and just to clarify more on that, it's actually been pretty silent with cop cars since we've been on for the last almost Yeah, two I was hours, surprised because I, like I was I was looking at your windows that are open. And I was like, ah, I don't know if we should close them. It might get too hot. But so and. Because it's almost been like two hours. Yeah. yeah. So before we go any further, I do want you guys to know, I want you to know that I am officially running for House District 28. It is a new, a new house district here, which has parts of Evely, a slither of downtown, parts of Liliha going up this way, and all of Chinatown area. Mm. So my hardest issue is going to be getting into these buildings. Yeah. Because I have a lot of buildings, so I am going to need all the help that I can get. Yeah. And you're running under the Alohaiana party. I am. Yes, I am. Which is a, a new political party started because. Because people were tired. Because people the, were tired of the, the status quo. The Republicans went too far right and the Democrats went too far left. Yeah. We're no longer centered. So it's, it's about the people. The Alohaiana party is not about a party. It's about bringing the people together and doing what is right for the people. Yeah. No, that's that's good. Um, you know. The hardest part about running for office down here, though, is the, getting the money for the mailers. People don't understand, yeah. like, when you campaign, the, one of the biggest expenses is, is the mailers, yeah. like, and mailing people. For me, that's going to be my biggest expense, and I got to figure out how I'm going to come up with that money, because mailers in this area with all the towers I have, it's going to cost over $100,000. You need a, you need a scandal. One, yeah. Uh, you need a scandal so you be in the news yeah. so people uh, will know. And that's just <laughs> per mailer, yeah? Yeah. Because even though it's one house, I'm not trying to hit one house because in that apartment, there may be three different people living there. Yeah. So if it's just one person, he'll say it and he toss it out. But the other two people didn't see it. So nobody knows. So, so it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to run hard and strong. All right. Well... I appreciate you taking the time out, inviting me over, and uh, waiting for me to set everything up. I appreciate it. Uh, Ernest, I'm going to stay.